excited about today. I know Jeremy is. I am as well. I'm excited because um, what we're going to be doing today is special, and it means so much. Um, this whole thing, it, it, it's called communion. Um, you've also heard it called the Lord's Supper. Those are just descriptive words for this. Now, when I grew up, communion, uh, I always viewed it as this isolated event. It's just something we did every once in a while on a Sunday uh, or a Sunday night. Actually, it was a Sunday night when I grew up. We did it on Sunday night. And it was just something that we did every once in a while. And so maybe that's kind of how you have experienced it as well. There are some churches who do it every single week. Some do it uh, just every once in a while. And, and I understood the basics of, of what it involved. It always involved some kind of uh, bread type thing. It involved some kind of uh, uh, fruit of the vine type thing. I understood that aspect of it. But what I, I didn't really, really understand how this was connected to something uh, that had been going on uh, with the nation of Israel for thousands of years. I mean, we are connected to thousands of years worth of instructions and history to Israel through this thing that we call communion. And possibly some of you are, may not be aware of that connection um, or that significance. Um, many people weren't. I didn't really begin to understand that until I became an adult. Now, I, it's through this experience of communion that I believe we will get to know the heart of Jesus more. And after all, as we have said all, since January, we have been repeating this. We want to get to know the heart of Jesus. That is our goal. So today, as what we're going to be talking about is kind of act one. If this were a great drama, it's kind of act one in this season that we're in, this very special season for Christ followers. Y'all know this season as referred to uh, Easter or Resurrection Sunday, and there are so many traditions involved with this season of the year, some hand-me-downs that have been given to us generation after generation after generation, included with some of those hand hand-me-downs or some misunderstandings connected to Easter. I mean, like even the very word Easter and all the things revolving like Easter eggs and Easter bunnies, and, and that is all actually tied to this pagan god named Ishtar. Now, we're not even getting into that today. You might find it interesting if you look into that, but that's not our topic today. See, this season is important to us because of our God, not some pagan God named Ishtar. It's, it's important to us because of our God. And today is the beginning of kind of early in this season uh, for us on this Christian calendar. Today actually has a name. It's called Palm Sunday. Now, we mentioned this uh, last week. We just kind of hit just a little highlight on it very quickly. Today is the day that Jesus actually in history, uh, back when Jesus was about 33 years old, um, and he entered into Jerusalem on the back of a colt, on the back of a donkey, and all the crowd that was there was giving him praise as the Messiah of Israel. And they were waving palm branches and throwing their 
their cloaks and their coats on the ground and palm branches. And, and it was a big, big deal as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. And that happened on this day, Palm Sunday. And that was prophesied. It wasn't just random. It was prophesied that this would happen. Um, it was prophesied by a man named Zechariah about 500 years before Jesus um, did that on what we celebrate as Palm Sunday. And here's a quick sidebar, quick note. We did an entire, Cole and I did an entire teaching on one Sunday about the significance of that prophetic message and the importance of Palm Sunday. And we did that teaching back in 2020. In fact, I want to say it may have been like the first Sunday or early on of when like, COVID happened and shut everything down. It may have been the week before that, actually. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but it was right around there. And so if you want to hear that teaching on the significance of Palm Sunday, man, I would encourage you to go listen to it. McKinley has it on the screen right here. Here's how you can find a copy, uh, the audio recording of that teaching, soundcloud.com slash Harley Petty. And then if you will search for the series that we entitled Rewire, and it's week number six of that series. So it's, it, you, there is so much information in that, that day. I would really encourage you to go listen to that about the significance of Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday kind of falls at the beginning of uh, this time that we call like Holy Week or Passion Week. And today, on this special day called Palm Sunday, we're going to actually celebrate something that was significant, that was part of the last hours of the life of Jesus before he got arrested and went to the cross. So this is Palm Sunday for us, but for Jesus, this was just hours. Uh, what we're going to do today and talk about today it happened just hours before he was arrested and before he went to the cross. Um, so this whole thing that we're talking about today uh, was really the beginning uh, for them uh, of what we call Passover. Um, and we're going to focus on just one specific aspect of that Passover today. And we're going to talk about the one that relates to this new series that starts today, and it's called the Nothing But Bread Bakery. Now, so every week this month, you're walking into not a theater, you're walking into the bakery, and today we begin this series. Now, during uh, the last Passover Seder that Jesus celebrated, a Seder is just a word for like worship experience, the last Passover worship experience that Jesus spent with his followers, um, in that he compares himself to the bread that was used as part of that ceremony. I, I have here um, made some of this. Vanessa and I made some of this this weekend. And this is what's called unleavened bread. And Jesus compares himself to the bread that is used in that Passover ceremony. So Jesus is with his followers and um, they are observing the Passover, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. I kind of want to walk you through. We're not going to walk through all the details of the Passover. We've done that before, but today we're just going to highlight a couple of those. But on every night 
uh, as the Passover would begin, they celebrated this with a special worship experience, um, and it had been going on for about 1,400 years by the time Jesus was celebrating this with his disciples on that night that he got arrested and went to the cross. Every Jewish family for 1,400 years, pretty much, that was following the laws of God would have observed this Passover festival, and it always began in their home. Um, we don't want you to miss how beautiful this comparison is. I, I believe as we walk through this, this will, um, I, I think this will give you some insight into what all of this is. So Passover, what is it? Because this is not a new thing. This had been going on for 1,400 years before Jesus did it. So basically, since 1400 BC, this had been happening in Jewish homes once a year, um, every year. And since the beginning of time, God has been active in guiding his people. Um, he started with Adam and Eve. You, we see that continue in the old covenant through Noah and then through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all through there. God was active in guiding his people. But something happened uh, about the, the time of Jacob. Um, all of the Israel people had ended up in this place called Egypt, and they ended up as slaves. Once that happened, God became strangely and mysteriously silent, and they did not hear from God actively again. For 400 years, God was silent while they were left in slavery. Now, during that time of that 400 years of slavery, can you imagine hearing nothing but silence from God? Until just at the right time, according to God's timing, he's ready to redeem Israel from slavery. And the Passover that we're going to be talking about today was a big part of God moving them into freedom. Now, you remember probably hearing about uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians and how they would not let the Israelites out of slavery, right? You've, you remember the phrase, we've seen it on TV once a year about the time of Easter, and, he sa and Moses says what? Let my people go, let them go. And Pharaoh's like, no, 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 not gonna do it. And they go back and forth, back and forth, all the plagues that happen, back and forth. Um, so. That last plague that took place was the angel of death. And that angel of death came through Egypt and killed all the firstborn of every family in Egypt, unless, unless that is, that a family chose to do what God commanded. And here's what God commanded them to do. A family had to sacrifice a lamb. Up to this point, they had not ever had to do that. They had to sacrifice a lamb, and then they had to take the blood of that lamb, and they had to kind of paint the blood of that lamb over and around the doorframe of their home, the entrance to their home. And if they did that, then the angel of death passed over that house and did not go in the house and kill the firstborn. 
all right? That's where we get the term Passover, all right? The angel of death passed over that home. And later, God instructs the Israelites to reenact that Passover night in the form of a celebration and to remember the night that God redeemed them. He spared them uh, by if they sacrificed that lamb and put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost of their home, then to celebrate the fact that the angel of death passed over their homes, that God saved them that night. And that celebration and that remembrance is called the Feast of Passover. And again, it had been happening by the time Jesus is celebrating it in the New Covenant for his last time there with his disciples the night before he gets arrested. It had been celebrated for 1,400 years. And so they were very experienced (laughs) at doing the Passover and celebrating this Passover. But we, are not. And so some of the meaning of the Passover is lost on us because it is not something that we're used to or accustomed to. It is not part of our culture. All right. So in the Old Covenant, we're told that they celebrated the Passover. Even even, uh, they celebrated even after the last prophet of God um, died. And strangely, after the last prophet of God died, strangely, God was silent again for 400 years. And like the end of the first 400 years of silence, after this 400-year period, something very special happened. Something amazing was going to happen. At the end of this 400 years of silence, a special sacrificial lamb is going to be sacrificed, and that's Jesus. So as Jesus is celebrating the Passover that night with his friends, he knows in just hours, I, Jesus, he's saying, I I am going to be on the cross doing exactly what this Passover is pointing towards. So this morning, I really just simply want to highlight some of the things that happens during a Passover as Jesus was celebrating that Passover with uh, with his disciples that night and what had happened for 1,400 years before that time that Jesus did it um, and what was happening that night that Jesus did it. And it always started with the lighting of the candles. And so the candles would be lit. Now, the Passover is a multi-sensory worship experience that did not happen in the temple. The Passover happened in the home, and it was led usually by the patriarch of the home or the oldest male in the home. And, um, and so this worship experience, this Seder, as they call it, was led by that person. Now, we know Jesus. Um, he is the one who is leading the Passover that night with his disciples. He is the patriarch that night. He is leading the Passover. And so we see what Jesus and all the followers who were also observing the Passover um, during Passover season, what they were doing that Passover season, the same one Jesus was, and what had happened 1,400 years before that. All the Jewish families would do this on the same night. And during that evening, Jesus and the other Jewish families, they would take three 
of the loaves of unleavened bread. They would take three of those loaves during the Passover. So whoever was leading it, in this case, Jesus, in the other homes, it would be the father of the home. He would take three loaves of bread, and he would also take a special bag, a bag that had um, three separate compartments. And the father would take one loaf and place it inside of each compartment. So that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm taking one loaf and placing it. He did not say a whole lot about what he was doing. This was just part of the celebration of Passover. And he would take the unleavened bread and he would place one in each compartment. Uh, and then he would do something interesting. He would offer um, a blessing um, and over the bread. Um, and we don't have that blessing recorded. We just know that he offered a blessing. Um, we're told that as part of this Passover that Jesus had. They don't tell us everything about the Passover. It was well known what happened at Passover when they were writing these things down in the New Covenant. All the Jews knew what happened. They didn't have to explain the Passover. Um, and so, but we have the clue as to what's going on. Here's how Matthew tells it in Matthew 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, so I just want to pause there. So this blessing, we're not told what that blessing is. We don't have it recorded for us in scripture, but because the Israelites had been celebrating this for 1,400 years, and they had been celebrating it largely the same way, the blessing was the very same blessing that they had used for centuries, for millennia. You know, it, it was the same blessing. So he offers that blessing over the bread, just like every other home was doing. They all did the same thing. They offered the blessing over the bread, and they used the same blessing. But after he blesses the bread, the father then, and Jesus as well, did something very amazing. They go back to this bag, and they take out the middle piece of bread. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take out the middle piece of bread, and we set this one aside. He would take out the middle piece of bread. He would remove it, and then he would break it in two. And then he would take that middle piece of bread and he would place it or wrap it into a white cloth or place it. Now, today in the modern times, it goes into a bag with a zipper. <laughs> he would place it into uh, that cloth, wrap it up. In this case today, we're placing it in this bag and we're going to zip it up in this bag. And he would take that bread and then the father, Jesus, whomever was leading the Passover, would then take that and he would hide it away. Now, he didn't say a lot, really, about what he was doing, the father in the home or Jesus. They just didn't. That, that was just part of the ceremony. And he would hide that away. Didn't really explain what's going on in that moment. Um, but we are going to address that uh, in just a little bit. So as the ceremony moves on, the father goes through and um, they they have a... a, a I'm going to try to do this without blinding anybody. I'll get Harrison. <laughs> so the, the father would take a special plate that had already been prepared. And ours has different places for different things there. And it's labeled and it's written on. Uh, certainly the one Jesus used was not labeled. But he, they would have certain things laid out that were symbolic foods 
There were metaphors. And as they, as they got to that portion and they ate that food, the father would be reminding them very specifically of a certain part of the story of the great Passover when the death angel passed over uh, Israel. And they would use that multi-sensory experience to smell things and taste things off of this plate um, that would be part of that story. Salt water was used for the tears of the Israelites. Uh, Bitter herbs like horseradish was used for the bitterness of slavery. All kinds of very interesting things as the father would tell the story. And it was the same story every year, the same symbolic foods every year. But that's what they would do. They would use these symbolic foods to tell this story. But after that would come the real meal. Now, the real meal of the Feast of Passover was compared to anything that we might do at like Thanksgiving. It was a giant celebratory meal, kind of like our Thanksgiving. And this whole process would last about two hours. So it was a significant thing that they participated in. Now, toward the end, after the symbolic food and after the story of Egypt and, uh, and, and of God redeeming them and, after, and then after the big celebratory meal, then Jesus reached over and he picked up that bread that he set aside. Just like every father in all the homes was doing the same thing the night they celebrated Passover. They would pick up that piece of bread that had been separated from the other three and wrapped up and hidden away. So remember that, that piece? Well, he would get that out of its hiding place. He would take that bread and then he would would break that bread into small pieces. He would break it apart. And then he would join what he had broken apart. And he would also take, I have four cups here, this one, two, three, four, this third cup represents the third cup of wine. So he would take this bread that had been broken, and then he would take that third cup of wine. They had already used cup one and cup two earlier in this ceremony. But at this particular time, he's at the third cup, the third cup of wine, which do you know it has a name? This third cup of wine. You have any idea what it's called? (laughs) This third cup of wine historically had always been called the redemption cup. And it is at this moment that Jesus has had taken the bread that had been hidden. He takes the bread that had been hidden. He takes the third cup of wine, the redemption cup of wine. And each person, it was distributed among all the people, the pieces of bread. They all had some of the bread. They all had a piece, and they all had a third cup of wine. This is the moment that we pick it up in the New Covenant in the Feast of the Passover. You see, it was not an isolated moment. It was not just... Uh, uh, when we when when we talk about communion or the Lord's Supper, it's not just this little separated, isolated thing. It was part of this enormous ceremony. And on this special night, 
in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, just hours before Jesus is going to the cross, this happens. We have it recorded here. Now, as they were eating, and that means they had finished the symbolic part of the meal, and they had finished the real meal. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and he offered a blessing, and he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. Now, this is different because no other father that night, no other Passover meal celebration that night, no one else said this except Jesus. This was new. But I don't want to just skip over this because first it said, and he blessed it. I mentioned earlier, we don't have that blessing recorded because no one needed it recorded. All the Jews knew what that blessing was. But here's what the blessing is that every father offers over that bread every year at Passover. It's the same prayer that had been offered 1,400 times before. The very same prayer that Jesus offered that night. And he said this, Blessed art thou, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Interest. Interestingly enough, that piece of bread that is used for the middle part of where we separated the three and placed them in the pouch, that is the piece of bread. Only that one, only that one is broken. And only that one is wrapped up. And only that one is hidden away. Because we know in just hours, it is the body of Jesus that was going to be offered. It was the body of Jesus that was broken on our behalf. It was the body of Jesus that was wrapped in linen and hidden away. And here for 1,300, 1,400 years, the Israelites had been celebrating that, and it was getting ready to happen in real life according to God's plan. Luke also records for us this same event. He describes it this way in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. He took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and it was the very same blessing we just read a moment ago. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, take This, this is my body, which is given for you. And then he adds this phrase, do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper, we're told, Luke tells us after the supper, he took another cup of wine. This was the third cup in the Passover, the redemption cup of wine. And he said, this cup is a new covenant. Now notice it's the redemption cup of wine. This is so amazing. And he says, this cup, is a new covenant. Now, nowhere else, anywhere else that Passover was happening, no father said this, just Jesus. This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. These men had heard the Passover prayers and the descriptions their entire lives. And suddenly, something changes with these two, with this bread and this third cup of wine. This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, not the blood of not the blood of the sacrificial lamb that had been happening for for years and years and years. No, no, no. This is my blood. And he says, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, this is huge. Jesus 
is telling them that for thousands of years, our people have been celebrating the Passover like this for thousands of years. And he's like saying, listen, fellas, starting tonight, something is different. Something is changing. This broken bread that I've been talking about that we have used for millennia, this broken bread that has, it has always been a picture of me always has been. This broken piece of bread, which is now representing, I'm clearly telling you, it represents my body. This bread, my body is going to be broken for you. It is going to be broken for the entire world. And from now on, when you get to this part of the Passover, when we take the bread out of hiding and we break it and we give it to you, this bread, you remember what I did and what I'm getting ready to do. And this cup of redemption, well, this cup represents my blood. It represents my blood that is going to be poured out to redeem you and to redeem the world from the eternal slavery of sin. It's as if he's saying, guys, listen, every time you drink this cup and of redemption, I want you to stop and I want you to remember me. Remember me. See? That's the big picture. That is what makes that Passover meal and for us communion, the Lord's Supper, that's what makes it so special. It is that picture. And maybe that has been lost to us, that picture, because we didn't grow up with the Passover. We just did this churchy thing called communion or the Lord's Supper, right? But that's the big picture. And we could think of no better way to start off this series than by focusing on that bread. That Jesus really is that bread of life that has been broken for us. Let me once more read this passage to you out of Luke. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice. For you. And friends, today, we're going to do just that. We are going to take a piece of bread in a moment, and we're going to eat it. And in doing so, we are remembering that the body of Jesus was broken for us. And today, we're going to drink from that third cup, that redemption cup. And we're going to remember that Jesus poured out his blood to save all those who would come to him. So today we have a very simple next step. If you're willing, the next step is for us to all together experience communion together. And in doing so, we're going to remember the sacrifice 
of Jesus. Before we do, we're going to sing a song together. And at the end of that song, Whitney is going to share with us the directions, the instructions about how to proceed through this communion experience. And as you're done, you'll move back to your seats. We'll do another song together, and I'll close us. Right now, before Whitney gives us those instructions, would you join us in singing about this amazing, amazing God who went to extremes to love us as he offered himself as the sacrifice for the world. Let's sing.